Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. entering the city of God. You know, we have not finished the gates. And I'm sure this is supposed to be the 11th gate we want to be dealing with. So we're dealing with entering the city, part 11. But then we have the gate of Zebulun. That's what we want to deal with this morning. Entering the city of God and the gate of Zebulun. Again, we'll go back to our text, which is Revelation 21. And then we'll read from verse number 1 again. And the Bible says, Revelation 21 verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adored for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And verse 10 of Revelation 21, and he says, And he carried me away in the spirit into a great high mountain, and showed me that great city, the heavenly Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and a light was like unto stone, most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And then the Bible says, had a, a wall high and had twelve gates and at the gates twelve angels and the names thereof names three thereof which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of israel that's what we've been dealing with and so let's go again to um ezekiel 48 verse 31 ezekiel 48 verse 31 and uh okay we'll just take verse 33 ezekiel 38 verse 33 it's all right we need and he said, And at the south side, 4,500 measures and three gates. One gate of Simon, or Simeon, one gate of Issachar, and one gate of Zebulon. Now these are the, the gates we've been dealing with, and then we have the gate of Zebulon this morning that we want to deal with. Praise the Lord. Are you there? Okay, it's the gate of Zebulon. Now, the word Zebulon means dwelling. Dwelling. Is it then that this tribe or this child is the sixth and the youngest son of Jacob that Leah gave birth to in Mesopotamia? If you check Genesis 30, verse 20, you find that. Little is known so much about the personal history of Zebulon. But he had three sons, as we know. If you want to find out again, you can check Genesis 46 and verse number 14. Praise the Lord. But the word, like I'm saying, Zebulon means a dwelling or a habitation. And that is very, very important to us. But let's try to find out exactly um, what Zebulon stands for. Praise the Lord. 
Let's look at Genesis 30 and verse number 19. Genesis 30 verse number 19. The Bible says, And Leah conceived again about Jacob, the sixth son. Leah said, God had endowed me with a good dowry. Now will my husband dwell with me. And that is very, very important. Now will my husband dwell with me. Now remember, Leah is a wife. Jacob is a husband. And I will tell you something. God is a husband. The church is a wife. Is that okay? Now will my husband dwell with me. Because I born him a sick son and he called his name Zebulun. So now Leah was not expecting Jacob to dwell with her. Just the way she, I mean, he had dwelt with Rachel. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. Now, at the time of the migration of the children of Israel from Egypt, the tribe is not recorded to have taken part for either evil or good. It's a neutral tribe, as it were, in any part of the event of the wandering. Praise the Lord. Uh, I'm not going to give you so much of the historical background. I'm rather going to move straight to the meaning and the significance of this tribe. And what it really means for you to go through these gates into the city of God. Don't forget, we're dealing with entering God's city, which is Mount Zion, the city of the living God. It's not something you go to tomorrow. What we just read, the Bible said the city is coming down. Now, city coming down doesn't mean it's hanging up in the sky. It's a manifestation of this city, which has to do with the people. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Okay. Now, the word actually, like I said, means dwelling. The word Zebulon means dwelling or habitation or residence, if you want to. Now, the Revelation 21 we read, verse 3. Let's look at verse 3 of Revelation 21 again. That gives all the significance of this gate. Revelation 21. And verse number three. And the Bible said, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will do what? He will Zebulon with them. Did you get that? And they shall be what? His people. And God himself shall be with them and be what? Their God. Now, it simply means when we come to this gate, we're talking about having a personal experience of God resident within us. Hallelujah. We're talking about you knowing it and coming to becoming, how do I put it, an acquainted with God. That of the truth, you are the temple of the living God. I mean, it's not something that people have to tell you about. It's something that you must come to know. It's an experience that you must have. That God dwells in you of a truth. You must have that experience. You must come to that awareness. 
Praise the living God. The word to dwell in the Greek here is to fix one's tabernacle to abide or live in. It means to dwell to an extent, to a camp that is to occupy. What does that mean? God wants to occupy your life. Praise the living God. And it means a mansion. <laughs> Glory to God. To reside. It means a mansion. And this is where people find it difficult to understand John chapter 14 verse number 1 and 2. In my father's house, I what? Many mansions. What mansion are you talking about? It's not something upstairs. You, corporately, in the church, individually, are the mansions of God. Is that okay? You are a dwelling place of God. What is the house? Maybe you need to get it right. First Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. Just check it out. First Timothy 3 15. What did the Bible say there? What is the father's house? Paul is writing to Timothy on this, what he said. But if I tarry long, writing to the church, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is what? The church of the living God. The grand, I mean the pillar and the grand of the truth. The house of God is the church. I mean, you have to have this understanding. God said, the church is my tabernacle. The church is going to be my dwelling place. That is where I want to reside. Somebody help me with Hebrews chapter 3. Let's look at it from this. Hebrews chapter 3, very quickly. Any translation you want. Perhaps you have the living Bible. It's okay. Let's read very quickly from verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 3. That's what he said. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven. Think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. And then the next thing he said, For he was faithful in God, who appointed him just as Moses said faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. Moses was entrusted with God's entire house. Which house was Moses entrusted into? That was the church in the wilderness. Is that okay? So the church in the wilderness was what? God's house. Move on just a little bit. And he said, But Jesus desires far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house desires more praise than the house itself. Look at the next thing. For every house has a building. I mean, has a builder. But the one who built everything is God. And the next thing he said, Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was illustrated, I mean, illustration of the truths God will reveal later. His house was an illustration of the truth God will reveal later. You just need to get that. Look at verse number 6. This is powerful. Verse 6. But Christ, as a son is in charge of God's entire house. And can we read this together? And we are God's house. 
I just want you to stop there. We are what? God's house. So when he said, in my father's house, what were you talking about? In the church. Which we are. Many mansions means many rooms. And each and every one of you is a room. This is the prophetic fulfillment of the tribe of Zebulun. As a dwelling place for God. Hallelujah. You follow me? That word dwelling, like I'm saying, means to reside as God did in the tabernacle of old as a symbol for protection and communion. God wants to have communion with the people and he has to do that in his house. So when you come to this gate, we're talking about you realizing and knowing it. God dwells within you and God is having or it ought to be having communion with you in his house, which you are. Praise the Lord. So Father's house is not up in the sky. Somebody need to get that clear. Father's house is the church. He said, we are that house. We are God's house. You following me? Zebulun. Look at the next thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 16. Let's look at a few things here anymore. I mean, one more time. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 17. And this is what it says. And what agreement had the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. 2 Corinthians 6. Did you get it? I mean 7, 16. Or did I say 7, 16 or 6, 17? Okay. Praise the Lord. Go to 6, chapter 6. 2 Corinthians 6, look at 16. Let me see. Praise the Lord. Am I correct? Okay. All right, you can still take that. What agreement at the temple of God with idol for your God's temple? And God said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be what? My people. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? And verse 18 said, now I want you to know that verse 16 is very powerful. Very powerful. What agreement had the temple of God, the tabernacle of God with idols? For ye are what? The temple of the living God. And God has said, now this is what I want you to take. I will dwell in them. And walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. I will dwell and I will walk. This is why you are a city. Is that okay? Now, one of the way God walks in and through you is how he expresses himself through you. You know what? When the Bible said it shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover, that is God walking through you. When you lay hands on people, it is God passing through you to heal the people. I will dwell in them, I will walk in them. Are you following what I'm saying? I will show you something. And then the next thing is this. 
He says, And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Then verse 18 says, And I will be a father unto you, and they shall be my sons and daughters. See the Lord God. I will be a father unto you. Hallelujah. And it shall be my sons and daughters, say the Lord God Almighty. I will be a father. That, that means when he begins to dwell in you, when he begins to reside in you, when you have that understanding that God dwells in you, then the next thing that must come to your mind is God is your father. Is that okay? God is your father. You don't need to go anywhere look for him. You must understand that he dwells in you, he resides in you. Anytime, anywhere, God lives in you and wants to express himself through you. Praise the Lord. Now let me show you something that will, that will make you understand it very quickly. Genesis chapter 3 verse 7. You know the story of Abraham, I mean, um, Adam and and Eve in the garden, right? Genesis chapter 3, verse number 7. Here the Bible says, After the eighth of the tree, of knowledge of good and evil, the Bible says, And the eyes of them were both opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they saw fig leaves together, and made themselves apron. I've told us before, fig leaves speaks of religion. Is that okay? That is why you find that when Jesus went to get fruit from the fig tree, he found only leaves. And that was speaking of the house of Israel, Judaism. And so he has to cut the tree from the roots. Hallelujah. Are you understanding what I'm saying? What he meant to say is, Judaism will no longer prosper. That's what it means when it calls the tree. It has leaves but no fruits. But what God is looking for is fruit and not leaves. Leaves is religion. So what they try to do here, they try to clothe themselves with religion to hide from God. Verse number 8 is the thing I'm looking for. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking. Now, remember what we read in 2 Corinthians 6? I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. Now, look at that. They had the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Uh, uh, if I have to say some things here, I know the church will get crazy. But the truth is, and well, let me just leave that. Let's just move on. Let me show you what I have to say. Praise the living God. The God was walking cool in the cool of the evening. I'm going to look at two things for you there. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. The word presence means the face of God. Is that okay? The presence of God. The face of God. The glory of God. They hid themselves. And God among the trees of the garden. Now the word cool is so cool for us to understand. The word cool doesn't mean it was a cool moment. And so sometimes when you read the cool of the evening, it's like saying the sun was no longer up. No, 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 that's not what he's saying. The word cool is the Hebrew word roach, and it means spirit. So what is that supposed to mean? God was walking in the spirit. Not cool as maybe 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock. 
No, that's not what he's saying. Are you there with me? The word cool means spirit. And it means prophetic spirit. It's so important. If I have to tell you that these people got an understanding. God's spirit was still speaking. I'm so concerned about that. That even if he stayed there where God's spirit was still speaking. They could still understand God. Is that alright? So when he said cool, he's not talking about, you know, evening time. No, 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 no. He's talking about spirit. So, let me show you what it, what it means here. Ephesians 2 verse number 19. This will help you with what I'm saying. Ephesians 2 verse number 19 says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. What's the household? The church. Now speaking to the efficient church, which has to do with the, um, the Gentiles now. Verse 20. Look at verse 20. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being what? The chief cornerstone. What's the next thing? In whom all the building fitly framed together grown it unto an holy temple in the Lord. Did you get that? What's the next thing you find there? In whom you are also built together for habitation of God through what? The Spirit. That's what I want you to pick. You are also built together for what? The Zebelonine of God. <laughs> Glory to God. Through what? The spirit. Rock. Cool in the evening. You see that? So, we have been built together as one dwelling place. And each and every one of us is a room in this building. And so each and every one of us can express he who dwells within us. The purpose of the Holy Spirit being released is to make the church the tabernacle of God. You following me? Praise the living God. I want you to pick this because it's very important. So get this now. So in John 3 verse number 8, the Bible says, John 3 8, the wind blew it where it listed, and I hear it a sound. So what happened? Adam and Eve heard a sound. Hallelujah. He said, but you cannot tell when it comes. And whether it goes, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Did you get it? You can determine how the Spirit moves. You can determine how it comes and how it goes. And the truth of the matter is this. Those who are truly born again, they cannot totally determine their lives. I believe in goal setting. But if you truly want to walk by the Spirit of the Lord, sometimes the goal you set becomes limitations to what God wants to do. That is why motivational things cannot ultimately satisfy the demands of the Spirit. For those who are born of the Spirit, they can't determine their lives. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Is anybody understanding me? Praise the living God. 
This is the major problem. So sometimes we see people, you're trying to fix yourself. You I mean, I have no problem with that. Set all the goals you want to set on the wall. There's nothing wrong with that. I have no problem with it. But also pray for the leading of God. Is that okay? Let God pick some of those goals you set. Because I'm going to show you something. When you start walking around to see at the end of the day that the lot that fell onto Zebulun was given to them by lots. Going to Judges chapter 19. The lot fell on them based on the prophecies of their father. They got it by lot. They didn't get it by making a choice. That means it was divinely fulfilled. In other words, what God said through the Father, in quotes, when he was blessing them, was fulfilled divinely. So sometimes you discover that the choice you make in your life may not be God's choice. Are you following what I'm saying here? And it also tells us that each and every one of us has a portion allotted to us by God himself. You only need to walk into your lots and you get fulfillment. Praise the living God. So that's the first thing about the issue of Zebulun. This gate. This is a gate that enables us to express God. It's a gate that indicates that God is now resident within us. It's a gate that shows that we are the tabernacle of God and a moving tabernacle as compared to a stationary tabernacle in the wilderness. The tabernacle of Moses was just in one place, but the tabernacle of today is a moving tabernacle. Is anybody understanding me? I will walk in them. I will express myself in and through them. I will remove myself through. God wants to reveal himself through you. That's why sometimes when you give a word of knowledge to people, you give a word of prophecy to people, that is God speaking. That is God moving. That is God walking through you. You follow what I'm saying? Praise the living God. So you must position yourself. Now you get that right. When he said, if he dwell with you, what's the next thing that happened? He said, I will be your God. I'll be a father unto them. You'll be my sons and my daughters. What is that supposed to mean? It simply also means if God is your father, if God is God truly your father, then you can always ask him for whatever you want. Now if you have this understanding, your prayer changes. Because you know you're talking to your father and your father resides in you. Praise the living God. Let's get down to the number two major quality or characteristics of the house of Zebulon. Zebulon is a businessman. Praise the living God. These are business people. You know, last time I spoke to you about Issachar. How many of you understand that? The tribe of Issachar, there were astrologers, astronomers, good scholars. How many of you remember that? Hallelujah. Now, you remember, now if you're going to read the scripture, you find that Zebulon is mentioned in relation to Issachar. 
Why is this so? Because you find that Zebulun have a very great association and partnership with Issachar. So because of the ingenuity that was in Issachar, he began to rub up on Zebulun. And that's very important. It's something I want to make you understand. Sometime in life, the people that enable you to make progress are the people you associate with. And it's not everybody you are supposed to have association with. Is that okay? So what makes Zebulon to become business people? Because they associated with the house of Issachar. So Zebulon is a merchant, the business person personality. His role is to enter the marketplace and redeem the divine spark within the material world. The secret treasure hidden in the sand. This is Zebulon. People who prosper in their various fields outside of what you call the pulpits. These are the Zebulons. Men who can succeed in business. Men who can achieve success. They can bring lights outside of the church. These are the Zebulons of God. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? Men whose business is their pulpits. That through the business they do, God's light is going and shining in the world. These are the Zebulons of God. Praise the living God. Look at Deuteronomy 33 verse 18. Sometimes we think the only man that is a servant of God is a man that carries the Bible and stands the pulpit like I'm doing now. No, 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 that's not what the Bible says. Is that Okay. And Zebulon, he said, Rejoice, Zebulon, in the going out, and Issachar in the tents. You see the two family, two tribes coming together. Deuteronomy 3, verse 18 and verse 19 says, They shall call the people unto the mountain, that is the church now, there shall they offer sacrifice of righteousness. In other words, they shall make people come out of paganism and use their resources to serve God. For they shall suck of the abundance of the sea and of treasures hid in the sand. Is that okay? What that means is they're going to succeed in the marketplace. The Zebulons are people that succeed in the business they do. When that's what it means. They shall suck of the abundance of the seas, the multitude of people, and the treasures hid in the sand. And you remember last week, I made you to understand that Issachar, the people have the wisdom of making glasses from sand. You remember that? Very good. Now, Zebulon was connected to these people, so they were also very successful business people. This is one of the gates. In other words, God is intended that when you come into the kingdom, when you come into this very dwelling place, which is the church of the living God, you are bound to succeed. God wants the church to succeed. And he wants to release some business people within the church that will suck the abundance of the sea and they'll have the secret wisdom of that which is hidden that men have no understanding about. I'm saying God wants you to prosper. And he wants you to prosper in any business and every business you set for your hand to do. He wants you to prosper in it. He even wants you to bring innovations to such businesses. 
So I speak to you prophetically today. If things are hard within your business, it shall open up in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. So he said, Rejoice Zebulon in their going out. That is, that shall be very prosperous in costing your voyages, your traveling, as you do business. For this tribe's situation was favorable for trafficking. You know, they have ships that can go in and out. Because the place have a lot of seaports. You can find that in Genesis chapter 49. Let's look at Genesis 49 verse 13. Genesis 49 verse 13. When Jacob was praying for them, this is what Jacob said. Praise the Lord. Zebulun. Genesis 49 13. Praise the Lord. And it came to pass. Oh, come on. What's wrong with him? Alright. So there we go. Zebulun shall dwell at the heaven of the sea. And it shall be for a heaven of ships. And its border shall be unto Zidon. Can you get that? What he's saying here, there's a prayer. Just verse 13 is okay, but you can read if you want up to verse 21. But what the father is saying here is, this is where Zebulon is going to be. Strategically located. Is that okay? Having a lot of ships coming in and out. So it's like a seaport. I know what it means for a seaport. You know, to be located in a place. Business activities. Man, God wants you to be active. And he wants your cause to be active. And you see, there is, there is this spirit you receive from God as you enter the city that makes you to succeed in the things that you are supposed to be doing. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. So I want you to get it because it's really, really important. Now, this prayer is so vital. When I find it was fulfilled, when two or three hundred years after the land of Canaan was divided by lots, and the border of Zebulon went up towards the sea. According to Genesis. Let's look at Joshua 19, verse 10. Joshua 19, verse number 10. This is what it says. And the third lot came up for the children of Zebulun, according to the families, and the border of their inheritance was, was unto Sadri. And their border went up towards the sea, and Maraliah and reached to the double shed and reached to the river that is before Jachnum. So we find that the prophecy that Jacob gave in Genesis 49:13 was fulfilled. Through what? Lots. They didn't choose. They were casting lots. And when the lot fell on Zebulun, the portion that was given to them was around the sea coast, fulfilling the word that the Father said in Genesis 49, verse 13. That's why I'm saying there is something God has said about you that can only be fulfilled, not what you want to do. There is a Lord God has for you. Praise the living God. So now, they enter into their Lord. They enter into the very place that God has so destined for them through the prophetic word of their father. And so they become real business people. 
That's why I'm saying, you see, there are some of you who are in some businesses that you are, not, you are not supposed to be concerned about at all. Either because of difficult times, maybe, you've chosen to do some things that you are not supposed to be doing. And primarily because you have no understanding of who you are, or the kind of ingenuity, the kind of spirit that God has deposited in your life. You do not have a clue as to who you are. So you are doing whatever thing you are doing because you want to succeed. This is why we are not succeeding. This is why we are not prospering. So Zebel have to be by the secret because that was the prophetic word was from their father, Jacob. Praise the living God. So Zebel was to have his lot on the seacoast close to Zidon and to engage like that state in the maritime pursuit and commerce. They were into very strong business deals. Praise the living God. Are we together? I want you to get it. So Zebulun shall be on the coast of the sea and he shall rule over the heavens, shall subdue the provinces of the sea with his ships and his borders shall extend unto Zidon. By reason of the success they were having, there was this expansion that was going on. What I'm trying to make you see from this gate is this. Have you for once tried to find out who you are? Have you for once as a believer really come to that place to say, God, why did you create me? What do you create me for? Where am I supposed to be? Hallelujah. Come on, is anybody understanding what I'm saying? It's so vitally important. We need to know this. We just need to know this. You know, sometimes people think, well, we got to travel out of this country to be able to succeed. You only need to find out exactly if God wanted you to be out of this country to succeed or not. Is that okay? A friend of mine sent me a video a few days ago. And uh, here was a Nigerian guy crashed from a top to the building because Italy government wanted to deport him back to Nigeria. He said he can't go back to Nigeria, so he committed suicide by jumping from a toast to the building. And the guy was saying, look at how bad the country is. I said, who told you the country is bad? You said the country is bad. But there are people in this country making millions. Am I correct? People in this country are making millions. Yesterday I was listening to the news, reading the news. Here is a guy that read, is it biochemistry or something? He was working as an engineer, I've forgotten exactly. We were working in the establishment and his pain was not coming out the way it's supposed to be. And this guy has a voice. What did he do? He went back into the studio, resigned from his job, make up an LP and go to the street. This guy said he makes 50000 every week selling his LP in Lagos. You got to come and that in Italy. What were you doing there? Maybe you were picking, picking tomatoes. You have, no, you have no, I mean, no papers. That's why they wanted to deport you. And you think, Nigeria, it is you that do not understand who you are. They were asking him, why did you have to resign from your job? He said, this one pays me more than the job I was doing. He has a speaker there, has a bar full. I mean, just selling his in the streets. He said, I made up to 50000 in a week. Which government will pay you that money? You tell me Nigeria is bad. Nigeria is bad because you are not using your head. Nigeria is bad because you don't understand who you are. So you want to travel out? Travel to where? Hallelujah. Come on, are you following what I'm talking about? And people, people are not following. I, I told you here in this church, 2008, carried my luggage, leaving Nigeria, went to South Africa, I dropped my bag in a hotel. God spoke right there. Get back home. 
I didn't send you here. With shame, I came back. I left all my luggage there. And the house was provided. The guy told me, say, listen, I'm leaving this aspect of my house. I'm restructuring it. Start your church there. The house was provided. A place to do the church was provided. God said, go back home. I didn't send you here. Want to leave Nigeria? Because you are not in the will of God. You are not in the mind of God. Are you following what I'm talking about? Zebulon succeeded because they find out exactly prophetically who they are supposed to be by lords. Who are you? That's the first question. In entering this gate, you must know who you are. To enter this gate into this city of the living God, you must know who you are. Praise the living God. Come on. So we find again, like I said, this was divinely fulfilled by Lord. It appears that it was divinely disposed by the Father, like I said, Jacob was inspired to make this pronouncement. And so this will occupy this particular place. That tells us something, like I'm saying. God's appointed the bands are the habitation of people. You are not in this country by accident. I was speaking to somebody. I said, listen to me. When you were talking about bad government, bad, bad, bad. I said, if it were possible for you to make a choice, you would have chosen to be in America. I said, but then, you are here in Nigeria. That means God wanted you here because you don't make a choice of your bad place. Only God determined that. Am I correct? Forget about when we take our children, they go and give birth to them. Yes, I agree. Take them to U.S. to give birth. And then they come back. They are still Nigerians. Are you following what I'm talking about? They are still Nigerians. That you have U.S. citizenship does not make you U.S. You are still a Nigerian. Your blood is Nigerian. Am I correct? It is paper that shows that in U.S., the spam that conceived you is Nigeria. So what are we talking about? Huh? Praise the living God. You don't determine your bad place. Only God determines that. You don't determine your father. Only God determines that. That's why there is nothing wrong with your background. But your father is poor doesn't make any difference. God wanted you to come through that man that you will raise the name of that man. So that your father is poor is not an excuse not to succeed. Because God brought you. How many understand scripture says the man who are children the children shall wrestle with the enemies by the gate. That means the man will rest while the children are wrestling with the enemy. Am I correct? So what is that supposed to mean? Through you, your father is supposed to succeed. So don't ever complain that your father is poor. That's why you cannot make progress in life. It's a lie. Praise the living God. Even if your mother was a prostitute, it makes no difference. After all, there are a lot of wonderful prostitutes in the Bible. If God hated them so much, how many of you have read the story of Rahab the Harlot? Huh? How many of you understand that one is connected to the very life of Jesus Christ? What about Mary Magdalene? So it makes no difference whether your father is a harlot, your mother was a harlot. I'm sorry to say, it makes no difference. Jephthah in the Bible, who was the mother? But yet became a leader. People started looking for him. Your bagger is inconsequential as far as your life is concerned. If you understand what the gate of Zebulon is. Don't blame anybody. Blame yourself if you are failing. 
Are you following what I'm talking about? This is the gate of Zebulon. Knowing who you are, knowing why you are where you are. Knowing why you are born into the very place that you are born into. For God set the boundaries of nations. Going to Acts chapter 17. He set the boundaries. He put people in position. Everything you find alive, God put the people right there for the purpose. Find out the reason why God placed you in Nigeria. Find out the reason why God placed you in your family. Find out. And stop blaming somebody that's not making you to succeed or something like that. Praise God. Excuse me. Most find it's our wisdom and duty to accommodate ourselves to our portion and to improve it. If Zebulon dwell at the heaven of the sea, let him be for the heaven of sheep. In other words, when you find out exactly who you are, ensure that you succeed in what you have discovered. Now, the portion was not given to them and then they went to sleep. They were active. They were placed by the sea. And so they were active in doing what they are supposed to do for staying by the sea. Praise the Lord. But what's the key to all of this? Association and partnership is very important in life. Zebulon complimented Issachar very powerfully. They forged for partnership. Zebulon supported his scholars. He found houses of scholars which earns him a right to partake in the reward of Issachar's studies. <laughs> you need to get this right. You see, scripture says, he that receives a prophet shall receive the reward of a prophet or a prophet reward. I mean, if you understand that. Get it right. Zebulon partnered with Issachar. They supported Issachar. They founded the house of scholars. And so they have understanding about business. And that is very important for you. Who you associate with, who you found, who you partner with, whether that cause you to succeed or bring you down. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 5, it's a strong scripture. In relation to this, Genesis chapter 12, verse 5, and Abraham took Sarah, his wife, after God called him, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haram, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. That is so important. Now, what, what, why, why do we have to read this scripture? Lot have no specific blessing from God. Are you with me? There is no record that tells us that God personally called Lot and blessed him. But God called Abraham and blessed him. And Lot, Abraham took Lot with him. What's the next thing that happened? We find that Lot became very prosperous so that the henchmen of Abraham and that of Lot, they were finding it difficult to graze in the same place. Abraham now took the land and Lot had to go his own way. How did Lot become prosperous? Because he was associated with who? With Abraham. Who is your colleague? Some of you move with people who are already living under causes which are placed on themselves, not God. Who are your colleagues? Where do you put in your fund? 
who do you partner with? I mean, this is vitally important. Because Zebulon partnered with Issachar and the wisdom to do business was injected into that family. Who do you partner with? Who is your partner? Do you even have a partner? Ministry partner. Do you have a partner? Glory to God. Are you following what I'm talking about here? Just because of the connection to Abraham, Lord succeeded. Became a a multi-billionaire in our language of today. Glory to God. Just because of relationship. So partnership and association is so vitally important. Some of you who do business, you know, I, I don't teach some of those things here, but like when I travel out and they ask me to talk to business people, I know what I say. But I'll give you a background to that. You know, there was a time Paul had a shipwreck. I don't know if you understand that. Very good. In the book of Acts. But remember, before they set out, he told the owner of the ship that a storm is going to come. We can't sail now. The man said, no, keep on going. Why? He wanted money. Is that okay? The ship was wrecked and everybody, but remember what the Bible says. God said, told Paul right in that night, you've been fasting for this number of days, none of these people in this ship shall die or shall be lost. I've given them into your hand. Is that okay? But what I'm trying to bring out is this. Every true business is supposed to have a spiritual partner. Because the things sometimes you don't see in business, your spiritual partner can see them. When you have board of directors, bring in a spiritual partner as one of the board of directors that can be praying with you for your business. That's why a lot of people don't understand. Why do you think the kings, right, from Nebuchadnezzar succeeded? Because Daniel was there. Give me this scripture. Help me, Lord. Daniel chapter 11. Let's look at verse number one. Let me read something there for you. Some of you, some of you don't know it. That you need to partner with some people who stand on spiritual authority. Not only be praying for you, but to give you wisdom. Oh, man. Look at this. Also in the fifth year of Darius. Watch that. From Nebuchadnezzar, then to... Uh, Cyrus, then to Dairos. You understand that? This guy was going as a political advisor to all the kings in the land. So in this king, which is King Dairos, look at what he says. Also in the fifth year of Dairos, the Mary's even eyes stood to do what? To confirm and to strengthen him. Can you get that? To confirm and to strengthen him in political matters. Who is your partner? Who is your spiritual partner in that business that you are doing? <laughs> Think about it. I remember one of my spiritual mentors in the years back, then in Lagos State, I've forgotten the governor. He located this guy and brought him onto the board. Anytime they are having executive meeting of the state, this man sit down. They place him on salary. Even he had nothing to contribute on that day, he sit down. At the end of the month, they pay him his money. When he's sending the team out, sometimes he will consult him. Should they go or not go? The man will speak. The next thing, sometimes he will say, John plane, first class, go. Accompany them as a spiritual guide. 
Who is your spiritual partner? Look at what Zebulon did. They joined themselves, partnered with Issachar, who has understanding of the time, astronomers, astrologers, men who have really, I mean, they've studied and they have understanding. They decide to partner with them. And wisdom began to flow to Zebulon. Zebulon became rich because they partner with people who have wisdom. Who is your partner? This is one of the ways you're going to succeed in the kingdom. Are you still with me? Praise the living God. So, let's quickly read this. I think I've gone a little bit far today. 1 Corinthians 10, I mean 1, verse number 10. I'll read a couple of scriptures here and then we can just... You can pray, but I think God is helping you. 1 Corinthians 1, verse number. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Perfectly joined together in the same mind, the same judgment, speaking to a church. The need for unity, the need for oneness, the need for good association, partnership. Hallelujah. Go to First Peter 3 verse number 8. I just want to give a couple of scriptures here. And then I'll read through and then we're done. First Peter 3 verse number 8. Finally, be ye of all one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be conscious. This is the spirit of Zebulun. Because they have to unite with Issachar. They have to team up with Issachar. No, no, that kind of individualistic spirit should be broken. Look at what he said. Finally, be of all what? One mind. Having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful and be what? Be cautious. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? Look at verse 9. Not rending evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessings that ye are therefore called, that they should inherit what? A blessing. Railing for railing, a quarry for quarry, anger for anger. No, 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 no. Huh? It's a bless. And as you are blessing, you're going to be blessed. Can you get that there? That you should inherit. You inherit a blessing by blessing people. Come on, did you see it there? Not rending evil for evil, or really for really, but contrarywise, blessing. You know that word? When they abuse you, bless them. Knowing that ye are therefore called that ye should inherit what? A blessing. And so God said, Abraham, God will bless you, that will be a blessing upon the face of the earth. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. Let me just go very quickly to the Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Let's take it from the message if you have it. Message translation says, Ephesians 4, verse 16. Ah, praise the Lord. Ephesians 4, 16. He keeps us in step with each other. Who does that? God. His very breath and blood flow through us. 
nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. You grow up in God, robust in love. I want you to understand the strength of this statement. Hmm? He keeps us in step with each other, with each other, not living alone. You, you see fellowship when people are close, everybody's on his own. You're looking for your children, you're running all over the place. You don't even have consideration for your neighbor. People you have not seen for a whole week. You can't even take time to say, hey, sister, how is it? How is the family? No. You're running away. Somebody say, what about you to be in a mega church? That's why you're not in a mega church. Because God wants you to build a spirit first before you can become a mega church. If you cannot be united with a, a simple church, how can you become united when you're in a mega church? You understand what I'm saying? He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath, his very breath and blood flow through us. Nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God and robust what? In love. Praise the living God. Now, can you picture this biologically speaking? How blood flows through your life. And the blood connects all the veins, all the organs of your body. Can you picture that? That's what the Bible is trying to describe for us here. Hallelujah. Amen? Okay, let me just read a lengthy passage for us and now we're going to close. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Message translation. Reading from verse 12. But all your systems, all your systems, all the organs in your body, they are interconnected. How many of you remember that? You cut your finger, you start crying, your nose is rushing water. They are interconnected. I want you to think about that. And that is the way the church is. As we grow up in God, we have to become robust, what? In love. Showing love to one another. Zebulon got connected to Issachar. And there was life. Are you there with me? I'm reading from verse 12. First Corinthians 12, verse 12. Praise God. Now it says, You can easily, you can easily not see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells. But no matter how many parts you can name, they are still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ, which is the church. Are you with me? Verse 13. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial peaceful lives. No, no, I want you to pick that. We've said goodbye to it is me and me and me and my family alone. We've all said goodbye to that. And the Bible refers to that as a piecemeal life. Praise God. We each other used to independently call our own shots. But then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has a final say in everything. This is what we proclaim in word and action when we are baptized. Each of us is now part of his resurrection body. Refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit. Can I hear an amen? Where we all come to drink 
The Bible says the old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jews or Greeks or Baptists or Anglican or slaves or free are no longer useful. We need something higher and larger, more comprehensive. Verse 14 says, And I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. The body isn't just a single part blown up into something large or huge. It's at the different bits, small parts arranged and functioning together. If food says, I said, I'm not elegant like the hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? If he has said, I'm not beautiful like the eye, limpid and expensive, I don't deserve a place on head, will you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could he hear? If all ear half, how could he smell? And as it is, we say that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are part of. Praise the living God. An enormous eye or gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster. What we have is one body with many parts. Each is proper size and its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine I telling him, the hand, get lost, I don't need you. Or head, telling foot, you are fried. Your job has been faced out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower the path, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. Is it possible? Come on, did you get that? Hmm? You can live without an eye, but you can't live without a stomach. Huh? Now, let me, let me just, you go back and read all of this, but let me just put this this way. As important as your eye is, the scripture just said it, even if your eyes are plucked off, you can still live. The only thing is, you can't see. But you still have life. Is that okay? But you cannot live without stomach because you need to eat. Now, the thing is this. You can see the eye, but you don't see what is inside your stomach. It simply means the people that you feel are not important are actually the most important people. You, you can see your hands, see how beautiful your head is. You can rub cream on it, but you don't see your kidney. But without your kidney, your hair cannot be shining. The, the most important part of the human body are the part that are not seen. Therefore, in the church, the people you think are not important are the most important people. Are you following what I'm talking about? Can you see your heart? Except by scientific gadget or whatever. Can you see your heart? The heart is hidden. The heart is not seen. But the heart is one of the most important, if not, in the entire body system. But you can see it. In other words, what am I trying to say? God has called all of us together. No matter the level you are, rich or poor, we are one body. Hallelujah. 
God wants us to be united. God wants us to be flowing together, to walk together. It's a dynamics. He wants us to live in such a way that we supply the needs of one another. That is Zebulon and Issachar. Are you following what I'm talking about? We supply the needs of one another. We meet the needs of one another. There is a reason why God plays you where you are. That's what he's saying. There's a reason why God wants you to be in this church. There's a reason why God connects you to be in this fellowship. There's a reason why he brought you to the entire body of Christ. You have something to offer. And you don't look down on yourself. I'm not a rich man. I don't have money. No, you can't think about that. You have some things that the church needs. You have some wisdom that the church needs. It is true that the wisdom of the poor is not recognized in the city. It is a fact. But that is not to say the poor does not have wisdom. It is just that the wisdom is not acknowledged because the man is poor. But the man still has wisdom. So what, what are we saying? As far as the church is concerned, all is not about somebody who is rich or somebody who is poor. It's all one family. Is anybody understanding me? So what am I trying to make you understand this morning? From this particular gate, it's a gate of union. It's a gate of wisdom. It's a gate of understanding. It's this gate that God expresses himself through. By one spirit, I will baptize what? Into one body. God has made us to be one tabernacle, one family, one house. And through us, he wants to flow out. You don't look down on anybody. Neither is anybody too big not to connect to the rest of the body. Because without the rest of the body, you yourself have no existence. That's what the scripture tells us. If the eye is gone, your whole structure is already deformed. One way or the other. If you lose a minute part of your being, you are no longer whole. Therefore, if we are baptized together in one body and you lose one member, then the church is no longer complete the way it's supposed to be. Come on, am I talking to somebody? It's all the more reason you have to understand something. If you go back again to read that Genesis 12 verse 5, it's so strongly important. We saw a lot case there, but there is something again you need to understand. The Bible made us to understand that he took Sarah, he took Lord, and all the souls he has gotten in Haram. That means as Abraham was there, he was winning souls. Did you get what I'm talking about? He was converting people to his own understanding. And I'm going to leave that with you. That you are not supposed to live in an environment without influencing the people. Is that okay? When he was leaving the place, he left with his souls that he has won. Some people believed in the God of Abraham in that vicinity. And when God called him to move out and showed him where to go, these same people followed him. How many of you understand when he went to war to rescue Lord? You remember this story? How many thousands of, of, of servants came trained in his house? He didn't beg people. He saw the more reason you must have that understanding. That the people that you win to the Lord will become part of you. They will become your strength tomorrow in times of difficulties. They are the people you need to win the war. Don't live in an environment where people cannot know that this man is a child of God. Be an influence. In your business place, be an influence. In the home, be an influence. Is the key thing I want to live with you. Apart from knowing that you are the dwelling place of God, apart from understanding that you need to associate to be able to connect to the spirit, the life that is also in other people, the key point is this. Don't you ever live your life without being an influence as a child of God. Influence the environment with the light of the spirit of Christ. That's what you are called to do. That's why you are a believer. 
Don't leave it. Don't leave. See, I will say this. You know the difference between Abraham and Lot? Abraham got all the people that were around him to go with him. Lot had nobody. I told you here some time ago, the only reason God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah was not because of sin. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because there were no 10 righteous people. And think about it. Saul, I mean Lot with his wife and three children and the three son-in-law, there were already about eight people in that house. Because they had three girls and then he had how many boys? He had... I mean, that's um, three, three husbands to those guys. That's six already. Plus the boy's well, wife, seven. Plus Lord, eight. They are eight people. Now they couldn't win two souls because God said, if you can get ten, I will save Sodom. They couldn't find ten souls. What was Lord doing? Only complaining. You are not called to complain, you are called to win souls. The world is what it is before he sent you here. The world was already a corrupt place before Jesus came. Jesus did not say the world is too much in sin, therefore I'm not going. No, no, no. Because it's light. You are meant to go out and shine the light. And that is what we read in the life of Sodom. He made us to understand that they are going to get the people to come to the mountain so that they may offer what? Righteousness or sacrifice unto the Lord. What is that supposed to mean? They are going to cause the people to stop worshipping idols and turn their works into the worship of God. God wants you in your business place to change people's life, to change people's spirit, to turn them to the Lord. Walk as light, walk as a tabernacle, walk as the Zebulon of God today. God bless you. Thank you.